0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders Council itself, is all about recognizing and celebrating the people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organizations and also to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. Now, if you are in a leadership role yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next one to join us on the programme. Um, I'm delighted to say that joining me on today's show on what is another warm summer morning here in the capital is Donna May Weeks. Donna is the lead practitioner at Poppy's Daycare, a privately owned day nursery over in Tiverton, Devon. Uh, Donna, very well welcome to yourself today and thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: Oh no, thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. Unfortunately, the weather here is dire. We have, It's oh, very windy and wet. So I'm wishing I was
0: there in person chatting to you instead. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that, Donna. It's a lovely day for it here today, but hopefully, like I say, you're in and away from the wind and the rain, so uh, right. it's um, not too Absolutely. bad. Absolutely, um having sort of briefly spoken about the weather there just to set the scene, I think the first thing that we should really cover on the podcast is um the context in which we're having this discussion, and um that's because even though social restrictions in England are gone for the time being, we're still feeling the real sting of the covid nineteen pandemic aren't we and it's been affecting our daily lives now for the best part of the last sixteen months ever since that first lockdown came into force back in March of last year so um if we sort of look back at that sort of last year and a bit by and large, to what extent has all of this affected you and affected your nursery, poppies, daycare, would
1: you say? Um, yeah, that, that's a huge question really because the coronavirus, the pandemic has, has affected you know, nurseries in the whole of England absolutely hugely and in a detrimental way actually for us. In poppies, we're the quietest we've ever been. And uh, I opened poppies 15 years ago and started. You know, it was a strong staff of about like, 12 practitioners and myself. Now we're down to myself and five practitioners. So it was very quiet here. Um, and, you know, that has got a lot to do with, with, with COVID over the last 15, 16 months. It's uh, it really affected us quite hugely, not, not just us, all, all settings in, in England, you know, private, voluntary, child binders, everybody. Um I I heard something on uh the news the other day that at the start of the pandemic there were something like seventy four thousand settings and since January I believe two thousand have closed. Um, you know, this is re- really quite frightening. It's very worrying.
0: It is, isn't it? And you've also had to sort of adapt to a raft of different sort of operational restrictions over the course of the last 16 months. I appreciate that obviously, you know, there's no longer really an an obligation to abide by those. But I suppose that sort of having children dropped off at the door, maybe adults having to perhaps wear masks indoors as well at times. Was it difficult sort of adapting to sort of some of the demands of of that, especially at the beginning of all of this?
1: Yes. Thinking, thinking back to February, March of last year, um, it was an incredibly scary time and a very unknown time. So everything was changing every day. We, you know, we didn't really know what on earth was going on and what we were going to have to do. We, we as a nursery, were expected to stay open um, and provide care for critical care. Uh, workers' children and uh, vulnerable children, you know, which isn't a problem. But what we were expected to do is to do that without any PPE. And back then, you know, coronavirus, as it still is, it's very frightening, and there were thousands of deaths deaths every day. So all of the stuff, uh, you know, their anxiety levels went up, and they were so worried. Um, These critical care workers, even if one parent was a critical care worker and the other was not. We were still being expected to, to take those children. And to, to me, that felt very unfair that we were having to put our lives at risk without that PPE. It doesn't mean that I am not grateful or um, humbled by the work that all of these people have done, but they were doing it with PPE and we were expected not to. I took a very difficult decision. And I decided to close the setting for the first lockdown. I felt that it was it was too risky. Um and also we would only have had about four children in the nurseries, but still would have had to have had three staff working to make sure that we were safe for the safeguarding purposes. And I would have lost so much money by actually opening because I wouldn't have had the fees coming in. So that was a really difficult decision to, to close my setting for you what know, well worked
0: out to be about four months before we reopened. Yeah, and I suppose that what really drove that decision was not just consideration for the physical health of yourself and also the staff members, but also... Like your mental health and well being as well, because you've talked about the anxiety that COVID 19 has caused over the course of the last 16 months, and so going into work where there's something of an unknown threat and you're you're not protected, I mean, that's going to have a really detrimental impact, isn't it? So that's something you've got to be aware of.
1: I mean, it was huge. I mean, the staff, um, you yeah, know, they're, they're a very caring bunch, you know, and that's that's part of our job, um, and to, to see these staff very worried because if they were coming to work and mixing with these children who could pass on germs, you know, they'd dribble on us, they sneeze in our faces, we still cuddle them. Um, having that without any protection, you know, we, we were so worried that we could you know, catch the virus and pass it on to a vulnerable family member and you know, the inevitable could happen. Um, throughout the whole pandemic, mental health. Has been hugely highlighted to me Mm. um, with my staff, and it's made me really reevaluate everything we do here. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, a a, a survey that was conducted by um, the Early Years Alliance, and that was back in, I think, about 2018. It was called Mind Matters, and it was looking at the mental health of practitioners working in early years then mm. and this is before COVID. Um, and then um, it found out that about fifty percent I believe were suffering from anxiety. And that was due to the, the working conditions because we had so much paperwork to do. The government was changing things every five minutes. So you know it was a lot lot for us to, to cope with. Um, and also, you know, very underfunded and you work here not for, not for money, you work here for the love of the job. So 50, 50% suffering from anxiety back then, well, add COVID into the mix, I think that number would probably go up to nearer 100%. So I had to really think about what I could do within the setting to help the staff. So we would normally do um, a supervision of my staff every other month. And that would be on their work and how they're doing and anything we could uh, plan to get some CPD in for them or um, anything they need to improve. i then changed that and we now do a mental health check-in every month to make sure that those staff are fine. Um, You know, how are you feeling? Anything that you're feeling anxious about? And just really having open and honest conversations. And... We've also revamped our, our staffing. We've made it very calming, lots of plants. Um, we we're in a room with lots of windows, so we're getting lots of light and fresh air when we're having our breaks. And to me, it's it made us a closer knit staff and we, uh, we work better together because of it. So, you know, there's some positives that come out of it. Everyone's still feeling very anxious because we are still around.
0: Yeah, of course. um, But like I say, you are seeing some real silver linings in the dark cloud that sort of hung over all of us seemingly for so long now. And there are some real lessons, I think, as well to take from this, aren't there? Is there any sort of key kind of takeaways maybe that you feel that you've really learned from your experience of guiding poppies through this?
1: What I think we've learned from from being in this pandemic is we've learned to work more closely as a team. we are definitely working better together and supporting each other more um, and, and we're much closer because of it, we've looked at our provision, we've really thought about what is best for the children, a lot of personal and social and emotional development, We're so really talking to the children about their feelings and how are they the children you know, have adapted so well, but some have been anxious, um, and they say things like, oh, when the germs are gone, we'll be able to do this um, it's really for Supporting everybody emotionally and making sure that everybody's happy really. Um, we're incredibly lucky here because, because the pandemic has um, hit everybody financially, particularly in early years. Um, we've had to adapt, and we're very lucky that I know a business in China, and we've actually. Um, this happened before the pandemic but we've got more business now um, and we've actually sold our brand copies to some businesses out there mm. and we've got a, a nursery in Xi'an which is called uh, Poppy, and I provide them training on how to do an English curriculum with their children and actually this week we've just signed another deal with a poppy, uh in Hangzhou and that will be opening in a couple of years and already we're providing some, some training for them so for us we're very lucky we're not going to close but for others they just haven't been so lucky and
0: yeah, lots of providers have had to close their doors. It is a real shame isn't it seeing what's happened to really some is. providers across the industry as well and it's testament to sort of your resilience I suppose that you're still here and you're still going and talking about obviously branching out as well Then I suppose that Kind of culturally, I mean, as well, just sort of bridging that gap between, of course, the West and the East in that sense. I mean, that's going to be a fantastic challenge for you, isn't it, moving forward?
1: Yes, we, we've been doing it for a couple of years now, and it, it's a huge challenge. You know, I, I'm going off to China by myself when I've got three children of my own here is, um, you know, that's hard leaving them, but, you know, we've got used to that, and yeah, we can do. Um, Zoom, so we can still see each other, but also with that, there's technology that's here. I've been during the pandemic in training with China, but via Zoom, so they stay behind um, after work. And as I come into work in the morning, I do their training, and, and that worked really well. It's been very, very unusual and a different way of doing things, but I mean, technology that's around for us. These days is, is, is amazing and it allows us to, to still do things that we need to. And I think people have really used that throughout like the whole of the pandemic. It's, it's been amazing um, and kept people uh, in contact with, with family members and so forth. It's
0: It has certainly, we've seen a real sort of digital revolution over the course of the pandemic. It's really accelerated that digital transformation um, as we can see across business, across some sort of learning settings as well. And you obviously talk about delivering training virtually there as well. Um, Does that sort of prompt kind of a change in almost a leadership style and approach as opposed to sort of a situation where you're actually delivering that training in person?
1: It, it was very, very different than um, doing training in person because I tend to not use a script and I just um, have bullet points of what I'm going to do. Whereas doing it over um, over Zoom, I have to stick to the script because the interpreter in, in China needs to know what I'm going to be saying. Um, and that, for me, was very challenging, not being able to add lib and- but also, you know, um, doing it virtually, you can't see the reaction of of the, the students you're teaching. So you can't see if they're understanding. Um, you can't see their faces if they're confused or if if they're happy and really getting it. So it's incredibly challenging.
0: It is, isn't it? really prompts that change in style and approach for sure. And I do certainly wish you all the luck in the world in sort of keeping that challenge going and keeping that communication flowing with the bases over in uh, China. And just as we talk about the uh, the future before we wrap things up, because I'm conscious that we're starting to run short of time on the programme, Donna, um, what are some of your priorities and sort of your targets going to be over the next 12 months? Because restrictions are gone in England for the time being, but we don't know what the trajectory of the pandemic is likely to be. So where are you hoping to be in an ideal world by this time in 2022? And where are you hoping to be as well with these really exciting projects abroad?
1: I think, um, you know, obviously we're very fortunate that with still enough children, we have the, the backup of our China work to keep us going looking at the future i think that we'll definitely be concentrating on mental health of, of the children and the staff um we'll be promoting the nurses we do to get new children in um you know it's been a challenge because parents have reevaluated, and lots of parents are working from home and they can have the children at home because they can choose their working hours so it's making sure we're we're still having children um to keep keep to keep the staff occupied because that's what they're paid to do. But also I think for us to, to survive, we will be um, having more work work abroad to help us help us through this because the funding isn't there for us to to be able to survive without that um extra income.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a challenging time, isn't it, in that respect for a lot of providers across the sector with the funding issue. And I suppose as well, it comes down to people's confidence, doesn't it, in bringing their people back into childcare settings and just really being able to sort of take advantage of those services because there is going to be some lingering anxiety going forward. And it isn't a given that restrictions are gone. People are going to be flocking back to sort of those venues and those things that they were doing before.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we've we've lived with Covid and lots of restrictions for you know, a year and a half now, and at some point I think you know we have to get back to some kind of normality, and, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to have a new normal, and um, you know it is working well for us. And as I said, the, the team that we have, we work so well together, and they're so supportive now that you know we're a really strong team, and you know, we. we wait for officer to come and inspect us again and see how much we've improved since our last inspection and maintain that outstanding status.
0: And I'm sure that there's been plenty on the ground as well in terms of adapting to the challenges of the last 16 months. That's really going to impress them as well along the way, Donna. I um, think so, yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um Thank you as well for joining us on the programme today. We're just about out of time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the discussion that we've had. It's been really, really useful um, just to have a little bit of an insight as to what's been going on in the childcare and early year settings, because the challenges have been great. And I think as well as we maybe start to understand more about where the pandemic's going to go and how we're going to sort of adapt to this in your industry going forward, um, I think it would be brilliant to perhaps even catch up and have you on the show in the future just to see sort of how things have changed and how things are getting on. And hopefully, as I say, there'll be some positive news to share on that offset inspection front. That
1: would be my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Likewise, Donna, thank you so much for your time, because it's pivotal to the work that we do here at the Leaders' Council, hearing those authentic stories from uh, business leaders and leaders within education, within communities all across the country. And um, also, do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on as well until we hopefully speak again, because it's very clear that we're not quite out of the woods with this yet, but let's just keep our fingers crossed that better days are ahead of us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: It was a pleasure welcoming Donna May Weeks, Lead Practitioner at Poppy's Daycare in Devon onto today's programme, and I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Uh, Coming up next on the show today, we'll be joined by Leaders Council Chairman and former Education Secretary, Lord Blunkett, who'll be sharing his take on the events of the last 16 months with the COVID pandemic and his hopes for the weeks and the months ahead, as hopefully we enter a period of economic recovery with the tentative lifting of restrictions across the UK. And that will be coming up on the programme next.
3: not only reverted to a party that they can support because they can see it acting, developing, presenting as a credible alternative government, mm-hmm. but also that the lessons have been learnt from the fiasco from 2015 onwards. In other words, there have to be very clear signals of substantial change, not just the right words,